passage. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Luke chapter 2, that famous Christmas passage. Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 13 and 14 and focus on verse 14 and a message I've entitled, A Christmas Greeting from God. A Christmas Greeting from God. I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. When I get to verse 14, would you read that with me out loud, please? Luke chapter 2, verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Read verse 14 again with me. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. According to Hallmark.com, Hallmark.com, according to Hallmark.com, Christmas is the largest card-sending holiday of the year. Of course it is. They say that 1.3 billion Christmas cards are sent annually. Also, and of course we can believe everything we see online, um, also I found that 9 out of 10 Americans... Nine out of ten Americans say they prefer a Christmas card with a handwritten note as opposed to just an email or a text or a phone call. They prefer that Christmas card. It helps them to stay up with family. They feel special when they receive that card. And so this, think of this, think of this, Luke chapter 2 and verse 14 Think of this as God's Christmas greeting to all of us. God's Christmas greeting to all of us. When the angels arrived and they said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, they were expressing a greeting from God. And this greeting is better than any other message we're going to receive this Christmas or any other time of the year for that matter. And it can be summed up in three phrases right there in the verse. Glory to God, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And that's our outline this morning. We're going to look at these thoughts individually and hear what God is saying to us today. So let's start with glory to God. Glory to God. And first of all, I'd like you to notice that this angelic praise greeting starts with God. It starts with glory to God, and it ends with the effect of that glory on mankind. Did you catch that? It starts with glory to God, and it ends with the effect of that glory on mankind. So we clearly see in this greeting that God is primary, man is secondary. God is primary, man is secondary. The primary purpose of the birth of Jesus was to express glory to God. Was to express the glory of God and bring greater glory to God. That was the purpose, the essential purpose of Jesus coming to earth. And that's the essential purpose of all things. The glory of God. The word glory speaks of that which incites honor. We know what glory means. That which incites honor or praise. We would say that God's essential character traits bring attention to him and adoration to him. It incites honor, the character traits of God. God's majestic splendor incites honor and praise and awe. 
It brings him glory. And so the greeting starts with glory to God. God's glory is the purpose of creation. God's glory is the purpose of creation. Psalm 19.1 says the heavens declare the glory of God. The atmospheric heavens and the spatial heavens and the stars and the planets are all speaking to us a message. They're saying God is here and God is glorious. They're constantly preaching a message about the glory of God. They're declaring the glory of God. And it's a language that everyone understands. Everyone understands. Everyone has that revelation. If they would just look up into the skies, they would, they would have enough revelation to know that there is a being who created everything. And he is glorious. So God's glory is the purpose of creation. God's glory is seen in salvation. God's glory is seen in our salvation from sin and hell. Of course, that's why Jesus came to bring salvation. And he, in doing so, brought glory to God. See, God is the cause of salvation. Our faith is not the cause. God is the cause of salvation. Our faith is not the cause. Our faith is the conduit, not the cause. Ephesians 2, uh, 8 and 9 reads a certain way particularly. For, say it with me if you know it. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For by grace are you saved through faith. It doesn't say, for by grace are you saved because of faith. It says through faith. Now that's a, that's a technicality, but it's an important one to understand. You see, God planned our salvation. God prepared our salvation. God provided our salvation. And then to each individual, he initiated the call upon our conscience to be saved. So God is the cause. We we must put our faith in God willfully, yes, and that is the conduit through faith. Through faith. But we can't take glory for our salvation. No one's going to get to heaven and say, I got myself here. Man, I had amazing faith and that got me here. No. All of us when we get to heaven will fall at the feet of Jesus and say, thank you for saving me. You saved me. You saved me. You're why I'm here. No one can take credit. No one can take glory in their own personal salvation. No one. All the glory goes to God in salvation. All the glory goes to God in creation. And so God gets all the glory. And in this greeting, we see that the glory of God goes first. God is primary. Man is secondary. God's glory and then its effect on mankind. That's how it reads. Now, the temptation of our Christmas season is to put ourselves first. And you've heard this preached on before. I'm not saying anything new to those of you who've been in church for any length of time. I grew up in church. I've heard this a lot. But let's consider it again. We need to hear it this time of year, every year. We tend to put ourselves first. If we're, if we're not careful, we will put ourselves first during this time of year. And make God and his glory secondary in the season that's here to celebrate him. And so we prepare cards and we should. And we buy the perfect present and we should. And that's a wonderful time of the season. We decorate, we bake, we stress. 
Okay? We busy ourselves for ourselves if we're not careful. We busy ourselves for ourselves and we leave little or no time for God. How do we solve this problem? How do we solve this problem? Here's what we have to do. We have to purposefully pull aside in our minds and give glory to God. And that's what we're doing this morning. We could have easily stayed home, but you're here today. And that's exactly, hopefully, if your mind is in gear, if your mind is in gear and your heart is in gear, that's what you're doing this morning. You're purposefully pulling aside. We purposefully pull aside and we give glory to God. And we say, you're the reason for the season. And all these other things, the presents and the dinners and, and, and the functions and the programs and, and all of those other things are secondary joys. Used as tools to help us to see the primary reason. They're all tools to help us to celebrate the primary reason for the season. And so we see tradition as a tool to bring us to a place of celebration, not to self-gratification or frustration. We must glorify God during this season. We must glorify God. In the midst of all the secondary joys, we must keep our focus, our primary attention on God. So the, the greeting starts with announcing the glory of God. Do we recognize that this morning? Is God primary in what we're doing? Is he primary in our season? I think, I think you wouldn't be here if that weren't true, so praise the Lord. Let's, let's look at the second part. So we looked at glory to God. Now let's look at the second part, peace on earth, peace on earth. The angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, peace on earth. Jesus came to bring peace on earth. In Isaiah 9 and verse 6, Isaiah prophesied that the child that would be born, the Messiah King, would be called the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. When the Apostle Paul wrote about Jesus in the Gospel, he called the Gospel the Gospel of Peace. In the book of Ephesians, Paul said further that by Jesus' blood, he made peace. And he said he purchased our peace by his blood. Jesus purchased our peace by his blood. And so it makes sense that as Jesus is being introduced to the earth that the angelic messengers would say, peace on earth, peace on earth. The Prince of Peace is here. He's bringing peace, peace on earth. And yet there's war and strife everywhere still. There's societal unrest. There's conflict everywhere. We look in the, on the news, the headlines. There may be conflict at, at your workplace. There may be conflict in your home. I hope that's not the case, but there may be. There may be conflict in your neighborhood. There may be conflict in your life. There's the constant threat of terror around us. And we may be looking over our shoulders at times as we go to public places. You say, Where, where's this peace that was promised? We don't, we don't feel safe here. We look at the sky and we wish for peace. When's this peace going to come? Well, it's already here. Many of you have heard this as well, but I think it bears repeating. We can have the peace of God now. You don't have to wait for peace. You can have it through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, 
the peace that Jesus offers is more than just circumstantial peace. That's coming later when he sets up his kingdom. But he's offering a spiritual sense of calm in your soul despite your circumstances. A spiritual sense of calmness in your soul knowing that you're in, in, in a position of favor with God. Because of your relationship with Jesus Christ and you've received his salvation, you're in a position of favor and you're at peace with God. We can have the peace of God and peace with God now. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore being justified by faith, Therefore, being justified or declared righteous by the righteousness of Jesus and his work on the cross that we receive, the moment we receive his righteousness and trust in him and him alone for eternal life, we are declared righteous. Positionally with God, we're in a place of favor. Our sin debt with God is canceled and we're in a position of favor with God. We're part of his family. We're justified. Justified. We must repent of our sinful condition, the Bible says. We, we have to repent of our ch sinful condition, change our mind about our sinful condition. We, we, we might have thought before that it's, it's not that bad, it's just socially unacceptable or whatever causes bad things to happen in my life. No, we have to see our sin as exceedingly sinful and causing us to be condemned in the court of God and keeping us from heaven. The moment you sinned once, that's enough to keep you from heaven. In heaven, there's no sin. So the moment you sinned once, that's enough. And of course, we sin with impunity. We sin all the time. We sin, we sin constantly. And so we, we are condemned before God. And when a person sees that and comes under that conviction, they repent, they change their mind, and that causes them to turn to the Lord. If they believe in Jesus and that he's God in the flesh and that he died on the cross for eternal life, to pay the sin debt for all eternity, took the payment on himself. If you trust in Jesus and him alone, you are declared righteous, justified. So he says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the last part. By whom we also have access into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the glory of God. What do we rejoice in, Christian? In the glory of God. The glory of God that saved us. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have the Holy Spirit. You have God's promises with you. You have the hope of eternal life. There should be a spiritual sense of calm in your soul. The peace of God. And you don't have to wait for it. You don't have to wait for, your, for everything in your life to line up and be wonderful and pleasant. You don't have to wait for conditions on the earth to be safe and secure. In fact, if you're waiting for that, you're going to be disappointed. You can have the peace that God is offering at any time. By faith. By faith. Jesus also said to his disciples, In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And Jesus, the Messiah King, although he was rejected at his first coming, will come again. And at that time, he will set up circumstantial peace. There is a coming peace. There is a coming peace. And we will participate in that kingdom as his children. And as citizens of heaven, peace on earth is coming. We have, the, we have peace with God. We have the peace of God. And then someday we'll experience 
full peace on earth. And that's what's being offered. And so we see glory to God in the greeting. We see peace on earth offered. Something that we can have right now. And something that's coming. And then last of all, goodwill toward men. The angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I need to stop here and highlight something that I believe is very important. And I would ask you to consider this. Consider this. You're sensible people. You can consider this. And you decide what you believe about this. But I believe this passage highlights the importance of every single letter of Scripture and the perfect preservation of such that God promised. I could show you verse after verse where God said he would give his inspired word of God and then he would perfectly preserve every single letter in a usable form for every generation. And so this passage highlights it. Notice the word goodwill. You might want to write this down. The word goodwill in our received text translation, the received text was a compilation of manuscripts uh, in, in the 15 and 1600s. And uh, before then, people just used ha- handwritten manuscripts, but somebody wanted to, uh, God worked in the heart of people to compile it into a printed text type that could be put out for all people. A standard text for all people. And so the received text in the Greek was developed, and it took many years. And the, the Bible I have in my hand is a King James Version in English, and it's based on the received text that I believe for many years, over 400 years, has proven itself to be the perfectly preserved words of God and translated to us faithfully in English. And if you, if you look at it in its Greek form, you see that the word translated goodwill is eudokia, eudokia, eudokia. It's a noun in the nominative case. You said, Pastor Zach, I didn't think we were going to get grammar this morning. This is too early for grammar. Or uh, uh, it's too late for me for grammar. Okay? But here's your grammar lesson this morning. It's a noun in the nominative case. Nominative case. In other words, it's a noun that stands alone. So it reads this way literally in the received text. To men, goodwill. To men, goodwill. Or... We, we, we reverse it to, to read better in English, goodwill toward men. That's how it reads, based on the word eudokia. In, in, in the Nestles and Elan text, which is the basis for other Bibles in English, there is what I believe to be a false reading. It's eudokias. There's a, there's a letter added. Now, this text was produced by critical liberal scholarship who didn't believe in the perfectly preserved words of God. I think the premise was wrong and the result is wrong. It's been, it's been, it's been revised 28 times. Many of the modern English Bibles are based on it. And it reads eudokias, which makes this a genitive case noun and a prepositional phrase. That's why many English translations read this way. Peace to men of goodwill, or peace to men in whom God is pleased. Think about that. That's how it reads. A prepositional phrase. Based on one letter difference. Peace to men of goodwill. Peace to men of goodwill. 
Well, if it's peace to men of goodwill, then goodwill is attributed to man, which makes this a senseless sentiment. Or it reads this way, peace to men in whom God is pleased. In other words, God's offer of peace is only for a selected few, and God's atonement is limited. Everybody look at verse 10. If that's the case, verse 10 makes no sense. Look at verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great, great joy, which shall be to all people. Folks, this message isn't for a few people in whom God is pleased. This message isn't for people who live in goodwill or people of goodwill. This message is for everybody. For every lost sinner, which is everybody. And so it should read, peace, goodwill to men, all people. Mankind, everybody, peace to everybody, goodwill to everybody. God's offer, his greeting is to all people, all people. If, if the other reading is true, then God's love for the world is a grand fallacy. If the other reading is true, then goodwill toward men is a holiday hoax. But the reading is right the way we have it. It didn't need to be changed. And we are depraved sinners whose best intentions are corrupt. We need Jesus who came from the glory of the highest to bring peace to the hearts of man. And he offered it to every living person. Goodwill toward men. Praise God. That includes everybody. Everybody. You see, God loves the world. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's everybody, whosoever believeth in him hath everlasting life. I can say to anyone this morning with the authority of God's word behind me, God wants you saved. God's will for you, God's will for you is that you be in heaven someday. I can say that to any person. With God's authority behind me. I can say God wants you in heaven. For 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not willing that any should perish. There it is. The Lord is not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. Repentance unto salvation in that passage. God does not want anyone in hell. God created hell for Satan and his angels. God wants everyone in heaven. His intention, his will is that all be saved. Jesus paid for every sin debt on the cross. And he offers it freely to those who receive it by faith. And that's every person. God's good will is to every person. God has a good will for you. God has a good will for you. In fact, not only does God want everyone in this, this room saved and on their way to heaven, every person. He has a will for your life beyond that. He has a perfect intention for your path. You say, do you really believe that, Pastor Zach? Yes, I do. I believe that. 
The Bible is clear in Romans chapter 12 that, that we can prove, that we can test or approve what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, we're all sinners and we walk out of the way at times in our life, but God, I, at any moment, I can confess my sins, get right back in the path, and I can experience the perfect will of God at that moment. It's a momentary thing. It's a daily thing. And God has a good purpose for me. God has a good will for me. God has a good will for you, and he wants you to walk in it. He wants you to walk in his good will. And so this offer, it goes beyond salvation, goodwill toward men. God wants you saved, and God wants you to walk in his will. God has a good will for every person here. And that's part of the Christmas message. That's what Jesus came for, to offer that to all people. To know salvation in Jesus Christ and to walk in God's will. That's what God, that's God's gift to us this Christmas. That's what God wants for every person this Christmas. He wants to show you his good will toward you. Amen. Amen. You know the song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day? We just sang it. I think it was last Sunday. I heard that we sang all five verses. You almost have to sing all five verses of that song because there's this progression in the song. And if you just sing verse 1 and 5, it just, you kind of miss the progression, so you have to sing it through. And good thing the verses are short, so it's easy to do. The first verse reads like this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Henry Wordsworth Longfellow, a great American writer of the 19th century, wrote those words in a poem. He composed that poem on Christmas Day, 1863, two years after his wife died in a tragic accident. This is bizarre, but his wife was doing some work in the house with fire. Her dress caught on fire, and it consumed her, and she died. Uh, Longfellow tried to, tried to uh, he, he, he was a little late getting there, but he tried to help his wife. He caught on fire as well, but he survived. So he watched his wife burn to death two years earlier. And then right before he wrote the poem, he had just received word that his son had been seriously injured fighting in the Civil War. And they didn't know if he would survive. Now he did survive. But he had just gotten word that his son fighting in the Civil War had been seriously injured. And he sat down and he wrote this poem, verse 2 reads like this. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Now the song progresses and it ends on a positive note, but I think maybe we can relate to verse 2. That's why this is such a popular poem and song. He said, where is this peace that has been promised? Where are the signs of God's goodwill? As the nation was in the midst of a great civil war. These, these things are not presently found in earthly condition. 
They're not, they're not found in politics or in society. They're only found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I wonder if, if Longfellow came to that understanding. Certainly he got a new perspective by the end of the song. It was said that he never shaved after the death of his wife. He never shaved again. Which was the, the reason for his well-known long beard. So he struggled with that. But, but he was able to see something. Sitting there listening to the bells. And he said at the end of the song, yes there is. There is peace on earth. There is goodwill toward men. And it's found in what God offered many years ago on that great Christmas morning. And he offers it today. Glory to God. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. My encouragement for everyone this morning is to open your Christmas card from heaven. Open your Christmas card from heaven. Read your greeting from God. Read it and receive it. Glory to God. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. Glory to God. The purpose for all things. Peace on earth that Jesus offers now internally and someday circumstantially. And then God's goodwill for you to be saved and to walk in his purpose for your life. That's God's offer.